what would you want our listeners to understand about the current state of racism in the United States that we as African-Americans have to live with every day? I think what I want people to understand is that we should never let our guard down. In between some of these uh, atrocities, there clearly is movement, positive movement, but the atrocities continue to happen. Uh, what is Selene Trojan? It's formed in Latin from a Swedish name. Maria. M-U-R-R-A-Y-A. That is correct! <laughs> Hello everyone. Welcome to Power Up Women our cross-generational, cross-cultural conversation about leadership, power, social justice, and gender. I'm Ann Doyle. And I'm Dana Harvey, coming to you from the Motor City Woman Studios in Detroit, Michigan. And listeners, if you haven't guessed already, the voice you just heard at the beginning of this episode belongs to Zyla Avant-Garde, the 14-year-old girl who last week won the Scripps National Spelling Bee. Which was exciting, just so incredibly exciting. And in her place in the record books is even more significant because she is the very first African-American to win in this 96-year-old contest. 96 years, she's the first African-American. She also holds three Guinness World Records for her basketball skills. She is phenomenal. If you want to see something amazing, you need to look for videos of her dribbling multiple balls on YouTube. She's amazing. I know. I watched that. <laughs> Incredible. But, you know, speaking of basketball and women's sports skills, which, you know, I care a lot about, Dana, University of Connecticut star guard Paige Buckers, who was just named the best college athlete in women's sports at the prestigious ESPY Awards, used her moment in the spotlight to thank the black women in her sport, saying, quote, I'm standing on this stage alone. But without them, I wouldn't have this award. Yeah, this is this is pretty significant um, because we need we need these voices. The WNBA last season, the postseason awards, 80 percent of the winners were black, but they got half of the coverage as a white athletes. So I think it's time for change. So Paige Buckers used her moment with the media and millions of people watching to make a point. And she's a great example of how white allies can be supportive to African-Americans. Which is really exactly what we want to talk about today, because our guest is someone that I have admired for a long, long time and learned so much from about racism and equity. Shirley Stancato is a prominent Detroit civic leader, a longtime social justice advocate, and an expert on race relations. And she's also currently an elected trustee for the Wayne State University Board. And I first got to know Shirley during her nearly 20 years as president and CEO of New Detroit, which is a very important coalition of business and community leaders devoted solely to advocacy for racial equity. And prior to her leadership at New Detroit, Shirley was a very successful banker. Her many honors included the Champion of Justice Award and being named Michiganian of the Year by the Detroit News. Welcome, Shirley. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
Shirley, it has been just a little over a year since the world witnessed the horrifying murder of George Floyd by a Minneapolis police officer and and responded with thousands of people taking to the streets. But as you know, our attention span is short, but the consequences of America's history of slavery and systemic racism are deep, they're complex, and they're still very much with us. So how are you feeling as an African-American woman living in the United States at this moment? On the one hand, weary, not just tired, but weary. That's another level. And then on the other hand, um, optimistic, but just so tired of, in, in many ways, seeing the same thing repeat itself over and over again. And in between some of these uh, atrocities, there clearly is movement, positive movement, but the atrocities continue to happen. And so from my perspective, you can never let your guard down. And that's what makes you weary that, okay, here we go again kind of thing. In terms of being optimistic, I think it's an opportunity for us to to move forward. We're having this conversation. Many organizations are looking inward and, and doing all kinds of work. So, but still weary. To be really honest with you, there are times when I say, you know, I can't can't do the news for a week or two. Yeah. Or oh yeah. We've had the conversation before. In even in my racial justice work that I've done for so many years, you can only take so much. So I have to protect my soul, as I say. And so some of the mm. stuff I keep out in order for me to be able to stay to stay focused and grounded um, and get some rest. Given your work, what would you want our listeners to understand about the current state? of racism in the United States that we as African-Americans have to live with every day? I think what I want people to understand is that we should never let our guard down. That I talk about the work that I've done at New Detroit around racial justice, that oftentimes we're able to put these uh, negative uh, issues in a box and we can put them off to the side and not look at them, but we forget that they're still in the box. And so the work yeah. that we do around making changes is important, but it's in the box and it doesn't take much to get it out of the box. And when it comes out of the box and it is done, you know, for centuries, it will get it in the box, it'll come out. It's very difficult to get it back in the box. And that's where we are right now. It's, I mean, it's all around us, it's everywhere. It's, you know, it's going back to Charleston and shooting in churches. Girls, it's unbelievable. And you, everywhere you look, this stuff, this racism, is out of the box, it's been in there, and everybody's been trying to figure, how do we get it back in the box? And I think that's the place we are right now. We should not fool ourselves. It's okay to say we're doing better, we're moving forward, but never forget that there's still so much work to do. A perfect example of what you're talking about in terms of something being out of the box is this whole uproar that's going on right now in education regarding the teaching of critical race theory. Lawmakers in 22 states, and and I'm sure that's growing, are proposing limits on how schools can even talk about racial issues. Part of it is we're having this conversation to help people understand that this is not new. I, it just it just rears its head in different ways. So now it's 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 critical race theory, right? Um, in the past, it's been there've been a, a lot of different things we could teach. There've been book burnings. Right now, and in in Mississippi, they're banning the book to kill a mockingbird. Believe it or not, wow, it's made in movies. They don't want people to look at it. They, I think it's the idea that if you don't see it, you don't hear it, it will go away. I talk about the difference between the word history and herstory. History mm-hmm. is his story. Right. And until we start doing her story, 
right? And it, it, things won't change. And so we, we wanted to, I wanted to be able to tell this is what's going on the way I want to tell it, the white supremacists. We, we don't want you to hear anything else because if you hear something else, you might change your mind. And when you change your mind, you might change your behavior. So that's what this is all about. It's about control. And oftentimes what happens when, when you're pushing on something and you're moving it, and let's talk about the big rock, those folks who are being pushed back tend to act out. And we're at a point right now where there's just this, you know, this craziness around, oh my God, I can feel this shifting because mm-hmm. we're, we're doing work and I don't want people to think that our work doesn't matter, but the feeling of the shifting makes folks sort of, you know, batter down the hatches even more. And that's what we're feeling right now. So don't teach anything about critical race theory. Don't, don't let the individuals who are people of color give you any information. We want all the stories to be told by those of us who are, and I got my hand quotes, in charge so that we can stay in charge. And that's really, really what this is all about. So Always rooted in fear, right? Fear and trust are the two big issues around race and racism. So we, we fear each other because we don't know each other and we don't trust each other because we don't know each other and we fear each other. We don't take the time to have conversations about who we are. We tend to let all the other stuff creep in. And while I think critical race theory is important, we have to ask a question about what's happening with voting. Yeah, yeah. Eliminate. I mean, me, that's where we all can make a difference at the ballot box. And obviously, my term, the white supremacists know it. On the one hand, you see statues coming down, but on the other hand, you see, you know, voting restrictions being put in place. One is symbolic. That's the statues coming down. The other is systemic. And, and so in terms of those pieces, they're both important to do. Systemic racism is about making change, policy changes right to your elected officials your local elected officials, your elected officials, and that doesn't have to be anything fancy, pushing the envelope. We don't realize that, you know, people talk about the government, we're the government, it's us, right? We're the ones who vote, we put the people in power, we put them and then we walk away and we never go back and hold them accountable. As women, we should realize we have the knowledge, we have the experience, we have the background and coming together, really, really, we have the coalition to make change by asking the questions. I don't see anybody who looks like me sitting next to you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I want to talk about Juneteenth Mm -hmm. and this year, how it has risen up nationally, media-wise, and now it's being recognized as as a national holiday because that's when, you know, slavery ended in this country. The federal holiday is so welcome as a first step, but we know that there's still more work to be done. My entire life, we grew up understanding and talking about Juneteenth. My parents from Louisiana and Texas are really close. Texas, when they got there is when they, they, were, they were notified that the war was over. I mean, to me, it's not the end of slavery, but that's, we're going to talk about it. That's fine. And they let them know, okay, the war is finally over. And so I grew up my whole life hearing that. And so little by little by little, I'm so excited that more people understand it and, and hear about, but what, but what does that mean? Do people really know what it means? And I think we have an opportunity to um, educate folks around what it means. I think it does as a federal holiday, you're right. And there's a real distinct difference between federal and national. It's a federal holiday, it's not a national holiday, I think. And so states still have some right over what they can and cannot do. So now that it's the federal holiday, I think what we need to do is keep our antenna up and look at what's gonna happen in each state about whether or not they will celebrate it. Because I think in Arizona, 
they don't do Martin Luther King Day, okay? Because and there are certain states that don't. And so I know, I know Anne. And so again, <laughs> you see me shaking my shake head. Your head. I'm like, I know. That's why I said it. Is, is that we have, I'm excited about the fact that people are recognizing it and thinking about how long it took if those Union soldiers had never gotten to Texas, right, to tell them people were still, you know, you know, having folks enslaved and, and, and a lot of the people who were, who were enslaved didn't know. There's that old mantra in 63, the flays were free. Or, right. No, it was, 18, you know, it was 1865, it was two years later. It was two years after sort of we're taught in the history books exactly. that the slaves were free. Exactly, exactly. Think about how long it took for this to happen. That's a story I got from my parents, you know, sitting around our dinner table, wherever we were talking about it, and then seeing it little by little by little, it's being recognized. I'm excited about it. But the story, as you mentioned, Anne and Dana, is not told about what does it really mean that it took a couple years <laughs> for the message, had it not been these union folks getting it, to get to folks to say that, you know, you know, like, by the way, the war is over. And so what that means is that, you know, slaves are free now. Yeah. Nobody told the slaves. Black lives matter. Mm-hmm. You know, they have lifted, you know, this voice in this time. And corporations, of course, last year responded. What are they going to do based on what they said? A lot of corporations reacted when the uproar came last year about George Floyd. So many not-for-profit organizations uh, got statements and from corporate America that said, you know, we stand on the side of, you know, fill in the blank. The thing that I say right now is we should test it. All we have to do is ask the question, whomever, it can be the human resources person, whatever, send a letter and says, what has happened in your organization, right? Based on what you said, a different, and we've had a year to do it. Has it been changed inside the organization? What does the top level look like? What do boards look like? Are boards of directors? What do they look like? Are there women on those boards of directors? Are there people of color on the boards of directors? Is that what you said you're going to change? What happened? What's happening inside your organizations? Are you promoting people? Are you are you, you looking? Are you even just looking at the pay difference between uh, a women of color and men? Between women, and, are you just looking at that to begin to move? That's a question I think that we can all ask. We start talking about her story. We do have the power to ask questions. And I don't think we ask questions in the way that we should. And And that brings us to the question of what else can we do? What else can all of us who are listening and uh, our family and friends do to help move the United States forward in terms of continuing to keep this box open, as scary as it is, and to address everything that's in there? I think I think the first thing that each of us can do is certainly look at ourselves and ask ourselves a question. What are we doing? All of us. I mean, kind of me too. You said, well, you know, I did it and have I done enough? That's never enough. There's always more work to do. So I'm talking about beginning to develop relationships. Relationships first, issue second. You work with people every day. You have showers, weddings, I don't know, whatever, little kids' parties. What, what, is, what does that look like within your world? Okay, what can you do to make a difference? It really it starts that way and getting to know people. But then within an organization, if I'm in an organization and, and, and I have some authority to promote and, and give raises, et cetera. What am I doing? Am I really looking at it? Am I just sort of going through the, through the motions? Or am I really looking at it? Everywhere we are, we have the ability to do it. And asking questions is so powerful. I don't think we do it and we don't realize what that means. 
Don't think that we don't matter. We do matter. And don't think that it doesn't count. It does count. Everything that we do does make a difference. Shirley, is there anything that you can speak to directly for non-African-American allies to keep in mind as they speak up and, and advocate and assist? Listen, the NAACP was started by black and white people. It wasn't just that. I mean, if you think, I mean, think about that. We've always had allies in the white community. We can't do this alone. There's not enough of us, right? It is helping to tell our story. Again, when we get to know each other and we start exchanging information about what's going on in my life and what's going on in your life, then we develop these friendships across all kinds of lines. It's important. We have to understand we can't do it alone. We do have to stand up clearly for ourselves, but we need to reach across the aisle or across the street or across whatever. This is a movement for all of us, you know, sort of like a rising tide lifts all boats. When, when, when one group does better than I believe, and believe is a strong word, that, that all of us do better. During the demonstrations last summer about Black Lives Matter following the death of George Floyd, uh, I painted on my fence. I have like a white horse fence in front of my property, my house, and uh, a lot of cars drive by there. And I kind of use it as my own little billboard. And I painted Black Lives Matter on my fence and it's still there. But one of the things that happened is I started noticing banana peels being thrown on my driveway in front of that Black Mm -hmm. Lives Matter. And at first, I didn't think anything of it because Mm -hmm. people throw trash along the road. Mm -hmm. But you know what? It's gone on for over a year and there's still banana peels being thrown. And for me, I was like, wow, (laughs) this is just the tip of the iceberg of what African-Americans live with every day. For you, it's something you can go out in your yard and pick up and you know the significance Mm -hmm. of the banana. You know about that. Oh, yeah. And 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 move away. But is really is unfortunate. I do want to make sure we all know that the Black Lives Matter movement was started by three black women. It is not in 2013 after George Zimmerman was clear. Three black women started Black Lives Movement. So see, that's us. You'll hear that. Her story. We got to tell our story. Absolutely. And we as women need to come together and support one another. Support each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Shirley Stancato, for your decades of work to help bridge the knowledge, the understanding, and these gigantic communication gaps that separate us across racial lines. And they really just continue to limit and waste so much human potential. The work is so heavy. So I I commend you for continuing to lead and use your voice because you're right. At some point, you do have to turn everything off to save your peace. You do. But you but you can't not do anything. Right. I'm Ann Doyle. And I'm Dana Harvey. And let's, let's all, all go. go. Power up. Thanks for joining us at Power Up Women. We hope you'll subscribe, share us with your network, and rate us wherever you get your podcast. It really helps to build the buzz. And remember. When one woman rises, we all rise. Make sure you reach back and lift others as you climb.